Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, it's nice to be preaching again. Last week we didn't because God just arrived and did other things with us, which was wonderful. Love those moments. And it's always so difficult the week, the week after that. Well, Lord, where are you? Are you going to be again? And there's this pressure to kind of repeat or kind of redo. The reality is if God is doing it, you actually can't do it. Redo it. What God does, man cannot do. So actually, unless God comes again and does something different, or, and God's always working, He just works in different ways and different things at different places at different times. And so it's wonderful to, to be in an environment where we allow God to actually work and to have His way in these moments. We trust for more, really do trust for more. And so what I want to do, we're in a series called He Is. And so I want to preach this morning about He is more than enough. Brandon sang a song last, last week, More Than Enough, which kind of opened things up. And I preached a preach a few weeks ago, called, said, and, and I said this, He is enough. We have, a, we have a charismatic kind of phrase in the charismatic Pentecostal world where we say, More Lord, more Lord, more Lord. I think that needs to be changing to a declaration, Lord, you are more than enough. You're more than enough, Lord. We're not asking God for more. He is more than enough. And so I want to talk out of Luke, I mean John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. We're going to read this story. It's a well-known, well-known story for those that have read the Bible for any length of time. Verse 1 says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than, a half, more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of one to have a bite, just to have a little bit. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Amazing thing, friends. When one person speaks up, changes something one person stands up one person speaks up let that encourage you wherever you are here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish notice the emphasis on small but how far will they go among so many then Jesus said have the people sit down there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down about 5,000 men were there. Some would say twice that amount if you took all the women and children. Others say, some commentators say four times the amount. There's a lot of people there. In excess of 10, 15,000 people. A lot of people. There was plenty of grass, so there 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as many, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Nothing, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. It's a story of Jesus doing his ministry, him coming away and the people following him. I tell you what, friends, when Jesus is lifted up and Jesus is ministering, you never have to worry about drawing a crowd. You never have to worry about drawing a crowd. The crowd comes where Jesus is. The crowd comes when the presence of God is there. All you've got to do is create an environment for Jesus to be there and not put Jesus in, in handcuffs there. Let him open, let him minister there and the crowds will come. That's what we want to do as a church. We want to say we want to lift up Jesus and trust the city comes. This large crowd of people come. Jesus sees them coming. And he says to Philip, he says, Phil, notice what he says to him. He says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Where? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Phil says, and before Phil says, Jesus says that, it, it kind of the commentary says this, he asked this only to test him. Because he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus asked Philip, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for? How are we going to feed these people? Where are we going to feed? Where are we going to buy the bread? And he did this to test him. I tell you what, friends, in life with Jesus, there will be moments where Jesus will ask us questions to test us, to take us deeper. There's a difference between God's testing and the devil's tempting. When the devil tempts, he wants to take you to your limit, to take you down. When God tests, he wants to take you to your borders of faith so that they can increase. It's, because, it's the, the difference between the testing and the tempting, because often the same word used in the scriptures is the motive of the one doing it. And when Jesus tests us, he's trying to take us deeper. He's trying to take us further. And so he, he asked Philip this question, and he says, we wanted to test him. And he already knew what was coming. He knew what the solution is. He knew where the bread was going to come from. But Philip needed to learn a lesson. And remember, he was with the disciples, so it wasn't just Philip. Some say Philip was just the spokesperson for the disciples that were with him. He wants to teach them. And it goes on. Philip then replies. And this is a classic, a classic kind of response of many of us. Most of us would probably ask the same question. I probably would as well. And, he, and Philip responds by saying, but Lord, it's going to take six months wages to feed these people, and that's just for them to have a little bit. It's not going to actually feed them, they're just going to have a taste. 
Jesus asks her, where are we going to get them from? Philip's answer is, how? Philip, he's a, he's a good business guy. He's saying, listen, that's how much it's going to cost. This is how it's going to work, the rands and cents. And actually, that's what it's going to be. And then if we do that, then we can feed the people just a little bit. Jesus didn't ask him how. He asked him where. I don't know how money is going to come in for this building project that we're going on to. I just know what and where. I don't know how. Because we are limited in what we have at our disposal. But that's not the question Jesus asked us. He didn't ask how is it going to come. He asked where is it going to come from. And so often we confuse those questions and we get stuck with the how. Especially very practical, pragmatic people. But how? I don't know how. Look at what goes on. Another of his disciples spoke up, Andrew. It's an amazing thing. Andrew's always known as Simon Peter's brother. Always in the scriptures. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. It's like he hasn't got his own identity. It's quite strange. But yet it was Andrew that went and fetched Peter, Simon Peter, and brought him to Jesus and said, Hey, I found the Messiah. You've got to see him. You've got to come. It was actually Andrew that brought his brother to Jesus. But from then on out... He's Simon Peter's brother. And he says, look at this child, this boy. He's, he's got five small fish, five small loaves and two small fish. But I know that's not going to be enough. I actually wondered, I thought, how did they come to see him, this boy? I mean, if there's a problem, have you, you might have experienced this in your own family where you kind of got a problem, hey, we've got to do something, uh, we, we need money, we need, we need to repair something, we need to fix something, I don't know, whatever it is. And your kid comes with uh, the 15 rand from their piggy bank and they say, mom and dad, I'll pay for it. You had one of those moments? See, the childlike faith of this little boy, I don't know. He obviously had a lunchbox, and he, th and he could see the problem. He's like, childlike, well, you can have this. We can feed them with this. And Andrew no no notices this. See, Andrew's the connector. Some of us are just the connectors. We'll be known by somebody else's brother, but you're the one that connects people to the, connects, connected Peter to Jesus, connected this little boy to the provision of God. Some of you are just connectors. Everybody plays a different role. Here's a boy, he says. But how far is that going to go among all of these people? Jesus says, let them sit down. He takes the bread and he feeds the 5,000 men. In excess of 10, 15, 20,000 people. Listen, if it was 1,000 if it was 10, there's probably not enough food in that lunchbox. But you see, Jesus is trying to test, he's trying to teach, he's trying to take us further and deeper. And every challenge like this that comes to us is what do you do when you're in a deficit? This is, this is the teaching. What do you do when there's not enough? How do you respond when there's not enough? When there's a challenge of not enough, 
What do you do? Philip put out all the numbers. I know. That, that, uh, you know what we do? We've got a building project, so we need, we need 10 million rand. So if you take the number of people in Glenridge and you divide it by 10, and actually if you do this and everybody gives that much per month, and then you get the numbers. And, and, but even then, it's going to take like two years' worth of income. Jesus doesn't work like that. Leave the how to him. But what, you, what he does teach us is he says you take what you've got. You take what you've got and you give it to him. Take what you've got and you give it to him. You see, in Jesus' hands, it's enough. In fact, what happens is you find out that it's more than enough because there's baskets collected that was way more than what the input was with that small lunchbox. This is the very simple lesson that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. What do you do when you run out? Well, when you run out, you get desperate. So you even make a stupid suggestion like, well, this little boy's got some lunch. It's amazing how God can take a stupid suggestion and make it work. What happens is you get desperate. You realize you have not got enough. How's this going to work? I need loaves. We've only got crumbs, Lord. Friends, this doesn't work for just for church buildings and church projects and building projects. It works in everyday life for all of us, all the time. This is the lesson he wants to teach us. Glenridge Church, on this journey of this building project, it's life lessons for all of us. God's going to reveal himself to us. He's going to show himself as provider, as the one that takes the crumbs and makes them into loaves. And what happens is when we don't have enough and we're in deficit, there's two very dangerous questions that we end up going on. Because you say, Lord, I don't have enough. But the next very dangerous question you ask yourself is, am I enough? Do I deserve this? Maybe there's a reason why we don't have enough. Friends, when you ask the question, am I enough? In fact, I think it's a question that we all stumble over. Am I enough to do this job? Am I enough to be this person? Am I enough to be the dad or the mom to these kids? Am I enough? Gets tested. Because the reality is we're not enough. That's the beautiful answer. We're not enough. And then the next question we get asked is, is Jesus enough? Say, I'm our enough, but is Jesus enough? And we're going to learn the lesson, am I enough? Is Jesus enough? Actually, the answer that we see, Jesus is more than enough. In his hands, you and I are more than enough. In his hands, with our small bit, he is more than enough. Two small fish, Five small loaves. That was their contribution. 
Friends, over the coming months, we're going to have a building fund, a bank account, and we're going to have a special box for building and things as we collect this money, as we figure out exactly how much we need to make it work and all those sorts of things. And everybody will bring their contribution. Everybody will bring their loaves and their fish. And for some, that's a big amount, and for some, it's a small amount. For some, it's five rand. For some, it's 50,000 rand. But every one of those contributions is big enough in Jesus' hands. And so that's our contribution. But I want to tell you, friends, when we're at the limit of our contribution, it doesn't mean we stop with our participation. Because a, a community together that's contributing, that's sacrificing, that's giving up stuff so that we can build something for the future, that's one thing. But part of it, friends, is not just your contribution, but your participation, where you are calling out to God with us on a Thursday night at prayer, where we're coming together and saying, Lord, will you provide, Lord God? Will you come now? Will you, will you come and do what only you can do? It's not just about the contribution financially. It's about the participation together prayerfully for us to see the victory, for see the, the victory come and the task completed. Friends, your contribution is completely enough. You know I know that? Five loaves, two fish, seven items. Seven is the number of completion. That little boy's contribution was completely enough in Jesus' hands. Five rand, 50,000 rand, five million rand. It doesn't matter. In Jesus, there's enough. In fact, there's more than enough. Jesus takes these loaves and he does these things. This, was, this is what's amazing. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He took them. It's quite interesting because the specific is he took them. It's like ownership moved from the little boy to Jesus. When ownership moves from you to Jesus, Jesus has something to work with. Doesn't matter how big or small it is. So he took them. You see, when we, we willingly, cheerfully, and generously transfer ownership to Jesus, he use it in, uses things in profound ways. Not just in finances, friends, in every way. Willingly, cheerfully, and generously, we transfer ownership of the small amount that we have, and we say, Jesus, we leave it with you. Use it. Bless it. Profoundly multiply it because we know you are more than enough. The next thing he did is he gave thanks. We give thanks for the little that we have. We give, we give thanks for the much that we have. We give thanks for what this this transfer of ownership will do in his hands we give thanks for what God will do in our lives in the process of being part of this 
We give thanks for the future generation of people that will again begin to enjoy this. In the same way as we've enjoyed this building, they will enjoy other things and different places. We give thanks. Give thanks for Jesus' love in our hearts. We give thanks for the gift of salvation as we did this morning. We, get, we give thanks. And what's incredible is that Jesus then gets the people to sit down. And I thought, I was think, asking this question, why sitting down? Some translations say they sat down in 50s. So there's order, and people say there's order, and there's structure, and there's all those sorts of things. It's, but I was saying, God, why, why get people to sit down? It says in verse 11, it says, it, and they distributed the food to those who were seated as much as they wanted. You know what I think it is? Seating is a, is a, being seated before a teacher is the way you learnt in those days. It's a posture of humility. He said, get the people to sit down. I think it's almost like a little bit of a parallel with, with um, in the Old Testament where, they, where they're getting people to, um, Gideon's gonna, trying to get his army together and Jesus says, no, you've got too many people. He says, get them to, to drink. And those that drank in a certain way they asked to go home, and those that drank in another way, they went into battle with. And it shrunk the army down to 300. From thousands, tens of thousands. I almost feel like this is a moment. He says, get the people to sit down. I'm going to feed them. I want them to learn something here. And it says, those that were seated, they had as much as they wanted. Those that were humble, those that were prepared to learn from Jesus, those that were prepared to journey with Jesus, they had as much as they wanted. I think being seated before him in these days is a profoundly beautiful thing. And God is going to move with those that are being prepared to seat, be seated, to sit down at his feet. They have as much as they want. Then he distributed the food and they had as much as they wanted, and they had more than enough. Everyone was ate and was filled. What's incredible, friends, is the people that were eating didn't know a miracle was happening. They were just eating. Think of that. They thought, hang on, there's a whole truckload of people with loaves coming up, Albany bakeries, just pulling them out, you know. At the moment, they, they, they're eating. They're eating as much as they need, but they don't realize there's a multiplying favor of God over everything that we do because Jesus is more than enough. And Jesus then, in other, other um, the stories told in every single one of the signs that is told in all four of the Gospels, it says, and Jesus gave them to his disciples and the disciples distributed the food to the people. So where did it multiply? Did it multiply where Jesus took the bread, broke it, and gave thanks there? Did Jesus just keep giving? You don't know. Or did it multiply in the hands of the disciples as they were going to these people that were seated? You don't know. Because, and the reason why you don't know, if, we, if there was, this is how you do it, friends. The world would be going nuts in religious activity right now, doing the same thing to try and create the same moment 
He doesn't tell us the how. He just tells us the who. The how is not important. God will take care of the how. God will take care of the how. This is my conviction on the way we do these kinds of projects. Having had some experience in them before. We allow Him to do the how, but we trust in the who. I mean, He could have taken the bread and just multiplied it in their pocket. But He doesn't. He uses the disciples to distribute it. He almost deliberately chose a method that would bring all of the disciples into action. And we do building projects and we choose a method that brings the whole church into action. So we see it multiply in our own hands. Whatever your contribution is, however much that is, it doesn't matter. What actually matters is not just your contribution, is your participation. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, we trust you. Lord Jesus, we bank on you, Lord. We know that you are more than enough. There is way more than enough. Friends, can I just tell you, there's more money. Money is not the problem in this world. There's more money than you know what to do with in this world. It's just whose hands it's in. That's the problem. Jesus knows. He said this to test him because he knew what he would do. I tell you what, we face this challenge now as this generation of Glenridge people that have only known a building with aircon to say, I'm going to test you now. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. How are we going to do this? He already knows what he wants to do. It's a great comfort in our hearts. He already knows how. He already knows who. He already knows what's going to happen. We, all we've got to do is we've got to be seated before him and say, Lord, how's my contribution? I bring you my small fish and my small loaves. Give it to you. Sacrificially, cheerfully, willingly, generously. It was sacrificial for that little boy. That was his whole lunch. It was his whole lunch. Transfer ownership to Jesus. Part of this process is sacrificial for the sake of others. It's going to sacrifice, going to cost, going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But I tell you what, hurt in Jesus' hands is powerful. Sacrifice in Jesus' hands is powerful. Generosity in Jesus' hands way more powerful than in your hands. God can do way more with that than what he can do in your hands, or my hands. Jesus is more than enough. He is more than enough. He is more than enough in our finances. He's more enough, more than enough in our, in our, in our economy as a nation. He is more than enough, friends. He is more than enough on our emotions. He's more than enough in our thinking. He's more than enough in our worshiping. He's more than enough in every area of our lives. And this feeding of the 5,000 is a display of that in one area, eating food and provision. Jesus is more than enough in our provision. We're going to trust God together.
We're going to stand together. We're going to pray together. We're going to put the little boy's food in his hands and you're going to say, Jesus, we give you this and let him do what he wants to do with it. No manipulation. No cajoling, no harping. Just sacrificial giving. And let him put it in his hands and see what he does with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.